Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we're discussing the bench press. This week, we published Marty's latest article, 10 Bench Press Tips and Tricks of the Trade. So we thought now would be a good time to get a refresher on the bench press, which we really haven't done in a while. Um, so, guys, the bench press, uh, you know, we all grew up in, in hearing, hey, how much you bench? You know, everybody talked about that in high school, how much you bench? You know, it's a, it's a big deal. Bench press, you go to any gym and, and most of the time you're going to see benches lined up. They're all taken. Everybody's bench pressing. Everybody loves the bench press. It's one of the core four exercises. Um, people are just drawn to it. It's one of the best upper body builders and strengtheners there is. So, but there's a lot of technique to it. And if you don't adhere to proper technique, uh, you're not going to probably realize the gains that you should and you're, you might get injured. So we're going to talk about uh, uh, all the ins and outs of the bench press and hopefully you guys will get a lot out of it. Um, Marty, the article that we just published starts out with you've worked with some of the, the greatest benchers in, in history. Yeah. Uh, six, 600 plus pound benchers. Why don't you talk about that for a second? Well, actually just to be contrary, I'd like to first talk about a little bit of the history of the bench, because when I first came okay. on the scene, the bench press was not the lift. Very few people did the bench press because you needed a bench mm -hmm. and benches weren't everywhere. And the worst part was that you would have the bench, but there'd be no vertical support. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And then when you had them, Jim, that it'd be like an inch wide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're trying to guide in a limit lift after you're done and you're struggling and shaking and you have to land it on, you know, two inches of steel. Weeder had one where they had this genius idea. They'd make it curved. They made it a gentle curve. So it was very easy to slip it right on off. You'd put it on the front and it'd pop right off the back on the squat racks. Right. Yeah. And the bench, right? So uh, when I first came up, it was, the lift was the overhead press, the clean and the overhead press. That was the test of mm -hmm. alpha alpha male dome. And that's what everybody did. And we didn't start seeing benches <clears throat> really until the mid-60s. But powerlifting was officially recognized in 64, 65. I'm always fuzzy on that. Uh, somebody could Google it up for me. Um, but that's kind of when you started to see benches. But man, they were terrible, Jim. They we, were terrible. We were I mean, at that point. Our space, our space program was really close to going to the moon. But we could get a bench press, and the incline. Arnold and them used to have to clean it, then lie back on an incline bench. Yeah, like, that's right. Right. I remember doing that at home. My my home bench press it was an adjustable one, but the uprights did not go up. It's freaking crazy. And then it was a mess. Marty, they'd be so narrow that if you put <laughs> one plate on one side, even a twenty, yeah. flip over. Well, flip the Pat Casey uh, picture, he well, got like six hundred pounds well, well, on well, that thing. Yeah, that. Well, we got to differentiate because there's several. You're talking about the Pat. Casey photo where he's benching on Bill Pearl's right bench and that's taken by Leo Stern as the photographer and they're in front of a, a, a white sheet of paper professionally taken yes right. 
Uh, yeah, because Bill said it was just one wing nut holding together <laughs> a bench. <laughs> no, holding together a bench that had Casey weighing 325, repping 550 for a total of 875. And he said exactly. he was just yeah. deathly afraid that the whole thing would just collapse. Yeah. It's one inch tubular steel. <laughs> yeah, and you could pick it up with two hands and walk across the gym. And yeah. I, wish it, I wish it was that way now, because now you have to have a, a 200 pound deadlift to pick one of those stupid benches up that has the wheels on it. And it's so overbuilt. They we are, don't need that. We, we don't, don't need it. That. It's marketing. It's four by four steel, three they by three steel. And they can charge more. And look at us. We're steroid <laughs> equipment. All right. So getting back to the bench. So, yeah, the bench came into popularity. And mainly on the back of Pat Casey and his exploits as they were published in uh, the Weeder magazine. York, York was strength and health. They hadn't even muscular development came out in about that time, but at the time it was Strength and Health, Muscle Builder, and Iron Man. Those are the three muscle mags. Casey got a lot of, a lot of coverage for being the first 600-pound bencher. Yeah. That was kind of the thing that launched the whole bench press. I mean, it got real popular. Now, Pat had a bench that he had custom built that was, man, that was the bomb. I mean, it had he had a custom built, even had a rack built on it, a built-in power rack for benching. Uh, it was very cool. Uh, he was a very scientific guy. He was um, actually a relatively average guy who built himself into a monster. Then when he then when he quit, he went he returned to being a, a relatively average guy, like Cassidy. Right. So yes, I benched with. I counted it up. I benched with five. 600 pound raw benchers uh started with cassidy i mentored under hugh hugh did a 570 competition bench press at the worlds with the two second pause that was the rule when powerlifting first came off first off the bench press was the first lift performed not the middle lift right. and secondly the rule was the bar had to be paused two seconds on the chest then you'd have some old timer like bob hoffman going 1,001, 1,002, press, yeah. right? And, and that, was, that was the conditions that Cassidy benched 570 with a two-second pause, John Cup benched 600, and Williams benched 700. And, and this is all raw, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rawest to the raw, done in these crummy little benches with, you know, and every time you benched, you were benching on a bench of a different height. Yeah, and a different yeah, they, width. There was no standardization. Now the IPF has rules. The bench must be thirty-seven centimeters wide. Oh, yeah, you know, forty-two centimeters high. You know, and that's great because we want standardization between equipment. But back then, you could show up to a powerlifting competition, and some you'd have some weird bench to contend with. I mean, right? it just amazes me because those guys were the first guys to do that kind of yep. stuff. Yeah, the pioneers for sure. From over the country that are, you know, doing 450 to 500. And these guys are the five guys that we just talked about with Casey and all them who are doing 575, 600. It's yep. all like, it's, it's landing on the moon, man. It, it's, it's right. And there was no, it's uh, more like Columbus because there was yeah. no, there was no precedent. 
they didn't have any training precedent right. to draw on. They had to create the first powerlifting protocol. There were none before them. Yeah. So they had to create the, the Bible. Right. Uh, and and, what makes my bench go up. And uh, yeah. And basically, basically, it was really, really, really hard work and lots of it and lots of calories. Yeah. And get bigger and get stronger and push your body weight up and get more muscular and just get gargantuan. And how many how many days a week was Hugh benching? Twice. Twice a week. And, I, and you're we, knocking the hell out of yourself twice a week. Jimmy, your first year, we'd work up to, uh, let's say, I don't know, we'll say you're midway through a 12-week cycle. So I don't know, maybe we work up to a, a top set of five. Okay. So now we got to do two to three sets of pause reps of eight with, you know, maybe whatever, 50 pounds less. Right. Right. This, then we've got to do shoulders. Then we got to do seated press maybe some rear delts and we got to do arms. Yeah. Now, but is he Triceps and biceps. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, in addition, we squatted and deadlifted on the same day. What did we do in the squat? Oh, we worked up to a top set and we did two to three back offsets. What did we do in the deadlift? Oh, we worked up to a top set. We broke down to two or three. He liked the stiff leg for his back offsets. He called the back offs the hallmark. So you bench, squatted, and deadlift on the same day? Yes, twice a week. Twice a week. Murders. I don't know how you guys recovered from that. We I, I ate, recover. we, because we were in our we were in our twenties and early thirties. We were intent on becoming monsters. Yeah, and if you don't hear that all the time, oh, you can't recover. Oh, you can't recover. You don't know any better. You're and, recover. You just you're and, you, and you, you know what the motto was, Jimmy? It's what? not that it's not that we're overtrained. You're under underfed. Yes, it's that we aren't eating enough. Right. That was the It's not that we're overtrained, it's that we're underfed. You know, and the interesting thing back in those days, not only were you guys pioneers, but being a pioneer, you you didn't quite have an understanding yet of how far you could actually take this, how strong your bench could actually get. Now we kind of have an idea and a range, but back then, no. Well, imagine an in-shape average guy who competes in local physique contests and maybe, I don't know, you take a fifth, you know, that kind of a guy. Yeah. And he takes into his mind that, and he's a good bench presser in the gym, you know, he benches, always benches 50 more pounds than everybody else around him. So when the powerlifting thing comes in, he pushes his body weight up from 195 to 295. Now, this is a grown man. This isn't an 18 year old. This is a school teacher. Right. He would carry a cooler with him everywhere he went, a picnic <laughs> cooler. And in the cooler would be two, would be two half gallons of milk, a bunch of sandwiches, fruit, whatever. Maybe Barbara made a pie. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> and That's our would, kind of guy. Yeah. Well, well he, he just, he it was indiscriminate. This is 1965, 66, 67, 68, 69. We didn't know anything about nutrition. Right. We didn't have food nutrient breakdowns on food, right? It was a big experiment. Well, Everybody well we, here was the experiment. Let's get let's push our body weight to three hundred and become the super heavyweight world champion. And yeah. guess what? He did that. It's just amazing that he knew that he needed to do that. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, because because he's he was a scientist and he looked at it and he because yeah. we talked about it and he said it's all in powerlifting, it's all about density in relation to height. Okay. Mm-hmm. Skinny people do not become champion powerlifters. You have to be thick in relation to your height. He goes, I'm 5'11. Ergo, if I want my leverages to come into play. And you walk around at the nationals. I got the shock of my life when I walked around in my first national championships, I don't know, probably 1980. And I'm walking around backstage uh, and all the super heavyweights are my height. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm weighing, and I'm weighing 220. Yeah. Right. And I'm going, uh, I feel like a basketball player, (laughs) a tennis player. I feel like a tennis pro. Right. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I thought my 680 deadlift was was pretty hot until I saw these guys in action. They're like warming up with that. Yeah. Right. But that's that. that yes. Yeah, so uh, this, you know, Jim Williams was gigantic. The reason that Jim Williams bench pressed 700 is because he was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. He was a monster. Yeah. Right. And he liked the bench. So guess what? He benched four times a week. He benched all the time. Yeah. Because he liked it. Yeah. And he developed a very high capacity because of that. Very consistent, right, with big weight because he did it all the time. But he didn't. Cassidy would like bench press 50 pounds more in competition than in training. Williams wouldn't. Jim would bench the same. Actually, Jim benched a little more in training than than in competition. But um, the reason with Hugh was is that he trained alone. So he went, when he went to a competition, he had people around and they said that jacked him, jacked him up psychologically. I, I asked him one time, I said, how come you lift so much more in competition? He goes, people. Yeah. Yeah. He's down there alone in his basement. Yeah. Staring at the wall and he gets around people. He's like, wow. Right. And it's like, everything just goes up to the next psychological level. And he took advantage of that. Yeah. It's got to help. Oh, so let me tell you the, so I benched with Hugh. Uh, then I benched with Ken Fantano up in New Haven and in Ken's gym, we also had Gene Donay, the 420 pound, 600 pound raw bencher and Danny Dierico, who was a 275 pound, 600 pound raw bencher. He had three 600 pound raw benchers training in the same gym. They were training partners. Yeah. Right. And I fell in with these guys. I'm like, Oh my God, I've fallen into bench Haven. Uh, um, and then, then the final one was Kirk. I, I helped create Kirk, a 600 world venture, basically based on Kenny, Kenny's, Kenny's technique and I'd say Hughes, some Hugh, but mostly Ken Fantano in, in his technique. So I worked with five 600 pound world ventures and I suck at the bench. It is my worst lift. I'm built all wrong for it. Uh, Not my best either. I just, it, it was always, I would have to get a lead in the squat and I'd have to have a big deadlift and those guys would beat my ass by hundred pounds in the deadlift, in the bench press. Marty, you worked with so many guys that were great benchers. I mean, what was it about Ken Fantano's bench style that you, uh, that you adopted that and then taught it to Kirk? Uh, I didn't. I had, I brought, you brought Kirk, Kirk in. I brought he, Kirk directly yeah. to Ken. You know, and they, they worked, they worked it out and Ken and Kirk were simpicata. They got it. They were similar body type mm-hmm. and Kirk picked up on it very quickly. <clears throat> I, I still don't really have it. It's a, it's a, a leg drive. 
technique where most people set their leg, their feet under the knees or behind the knees. Fantano set his feet in front of the knees and that way he would jolt his feet, send a a jolt through his torso and time it. That's when he was going to launch in the bar. And at the same time, he'd contract his shoulders and arms and that jolt would hit and that bar would jump off his chest. And then he was the first one to teach me about what, what he called and what I call the arc. I think now they call it the J. What did uh, Josh Bryan call it? The J path, I think. The J path. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. You, you mentioned it in your article. Yeah. Uh, so Kenny was the technical magician. Uh, he was also really good in his assistance work. He, he viewed the bench press as, quote unquote, a technique lift. And then he would come in three days later and he loved heavy, steep incline presses with dumbbells. Where did did Kirk get the close grip from? Close grip what? Bench press. Well, also, we were heavily influenced by Ed Cohn. Okay, so Cohn Cohn was doing the close. So so Kirk. Okay, let me let me tell you how that how that goes. Um, Kirk was not going to do dumbbell inclines. Yeah, they're a pain in the ass when you're that strong. Uh, yeah, well, Kenny could only get up to 150s, and then he'd have Mick Golden and, and one of the other guys would balance a pair of 50-pound dumbbells atop the 150s as he repped them. If you get past 150, they get so wide that you can't get them anywhere near your, you know, you can't, he yeah. wanted this stretch. He wanted the pre-stretch. He said to me, he said, the incline dumbbell press, Mark, gives me the contraction I'm looking for. I was like, ah, oh, okay. The mm-hmm. contraction I'm looking for. I was like, all right. And he'd take that damn contraction over to his regular bench. I saw him do a 633 double. Jesus. Yeah. And didn't he always pause? Yeah, because it was, yeah, yeah. Because we, he we, did that we, in competition. Yeah, yeah, because you do that in competition. Yeah. That's what made the, and he had this, he'd pull it into him. Yeah. Because he was so big, he was 360 pounds with a giant. He was my height. Everybody's my height, yeah. and, and he's 360 pounds. He's my height with a giant barrel chest and a wide grip, uh, and a short rep stroke, and all this technique. And man, I was just like, wow, look at that. Right. From him after you put him in purposeful primitive. Pardon me. Have you ever, did you hear back from him ever? Oh, well, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into all that. You no, know, I'm saying Kenny, you that whole thing on purposeful primitive. I didn't know yeah. if he contacted you after that. Well, it doesn't matter. Let's well, talk I'm about it. That's why. Well, I, I don't, I'm not acknowledging your curiosity. It's, right, barely, it's not a question. That's not a question. It's barely an observation. Okay, go on. Spin back. Ask me an intelligent question. I'll answer it. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask me about interpersonal relationships. Oh, I love that kind of shit. <laughs> um, Jimmy, I'm glad you're getting blasted. You should go to me. Are there, Jimmy? So, so, can't, so what Kirk got is what he took away was the inclined barbell. Right? He can't do the inclined dumbbell. He not no interest in doing the inclined dumbbell. Okay, well, let's do inclined barbell. So Kirk got really good at inclined barbell. What did he do, Jim? What did he do? Wasn't he repping like 445 for reps, right? Yeah, he was in the mid fours. Yeah, for reps. I mean, he was right around 500 for one. Yeah. Uh, so, again, that that incline, uh, you know, 
use the bench, think of the bench as a technique lift, almost like an Olympic lift. Yeah. Right. But have that power day where you kind of lock your body down. No, we're not going to have any of that heave. No, we're not going to have any of that, that tricky stuff. We're just going to just, we're going to powerize the muscles that are used in benching. And both of them felt that that incline barbell or dumbbell was key for both of them. Yeah. Ed, 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 Cohn, Ed Cohn and Doug Furness taught three grip widths. This was the genius of their strategy. They would use what they called the power grip width, which is whatever is your strongest. If you're benching, whatever naturally is your strongest grip width, they would call that your competition grip. Right. Right. And they would work up to a touch and go set. Again, depending on where you are in the periodized cycle, if you're at the front end of the cycle, maybe set of six or eight in the middle of it, I don't know, set of five, at the end of it triples or doubles. <clears throat> then they would do wide grip paused with less weight, right? Back down in the same, in the same session. Then the, the third position after they finished the competition grip, hit the periodized rep number, back off, you know, do your wide grip pause. You're trying to push that up too. That's periodized too. Maybe that might be, I don't know, 30 pounds less than your touch and go, right? Then you finish with your narrow grip. Okay. And that's touch and go because as, as Ed and Doug both told me, all the actions at the top, there's no real benefit in the narrow grip bench press coming off the chest because your chest muscles are stronger. It's at the top where the triceps take over. That's what you're trying to strengthen. Mm -hmm. The genius of this approach is that in a, you, you powerize your competition grip by the wide grip paused is pec centric, almost exclusively pec and start muscles. Yeah, it helps you off the chest, right? Exactly. And what helps you off the chest? Big ass pecs. Yeah. Right. And front delts. And then the narrow grip helps the lockout, which is where like Kirk would get it within two inches of lockout and try to lock it out. They broke it, uh, it down into the into the movers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they did all three grip widths in the same session. Yeah. All right. Power grip, take a little rest, wide grip pause, take a little rest, narrow grip, touch and go, great. And then they come in two to three days later and Ed loved behind the neck press. That was his, yeah. his power movement, right? If he pushed his behind the neck press up, it reflected well on his bench press. Yeah. So eventually he doubled, he raw doubled 550 in a way in 219 and he behind the neck press 400 and did 350 for five. You know, when you think about those guys doing presses and Cone doing it behind the necks. Now, I remember talking to Kirk about shoulder work that he did. And he said, well, I go in the, in the back room and do lateral machine for a few sets. But what I started thinking about was, okay, he's hitting the medial delts like that, but he's hitting those front delts, which really worked to bench press in that incline big time, yeah. you know? And he's hitting them on all the other press in the white. So we've we've talked about this before. A lot of guys can are physically Kirk is one unable to do the behind the neck press. Their yeah. shoulder their shoulders are constructed in such a way. I had this explained to me by a top shoulder surgeon. 
And he said, oh, these guys have, I don't know, East Asiatic shoulder construction and these guys have, you know, and if you have this type of shoulder construction, you cannot comfortably get back and do the behind the neck press. Uh, so Kirk, there's no way, you know, he can, yeah, he can barely scratch the back of his neck, right, with his hands. So he chose stuff that, you know, oh, fit his body. Front, he could do the front press, he, but the incline press, he killed that. Yeah, I thought, I think the incline was a key to his big bang. Correct. I agree with that. The thing is, is, you know, we all know people, and, and I knew he, And he got that contraction he was looking for. Right. Just like Fantano said. But, exactly. Uh, you know, we all know people who, and especially on a football team, where you'd walk in and they could bench press. You know, in high school, they're doing 350. In college, yep. they walk in and do yep. 450. That's not the people you want to learn from. No. Nope. Somebody like Kirk, and humbly myself, who had a really crappy bench press and got it up by doing these techniques, that's who you want to talk to about this stuff. You know, and how did you get that up when you're not built for it, when you're when you couldn't get the bar off your chest, when you had all these weak points in it, and then you start to study these guys and what they did. And, and that's how you sort of develop a plan. And that's what Kirk did with the Fantano and the, and the, your stuff. And then the cone stuff. It's really, really cool. Well, totally Kirk, agree with Kirk, Kirk had some good coaching. Yeah, he did. It's just like a perfect <laughs> storm. Seriously. His, his career was like a perfect storm where Fantano came in his life. You came in yeah. his life. Use influence. Cone was his friend. You know, yeah. all well, I, I pulled Fantano and Cone into his life. Yeah. It's all these pieces of the puzzle that came together to make him a six time world you, champion. You, you know what the first words out of Ed Cone's mouth were when he saw Kirk? His legs are huge. <laughs> he said, Look at the legs on this kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now his upper body looked like. Well, I better not say it, but well, that's where significantly means. smaller. Let's say that. Yeah. Well, he made he was, bottom, he was bottom heavy. He was bottom heavy, and he was very self conscious about it. And you know what? He fixed it. Oh, he sure did. You could tell back in the day. I mean, even in high school, when you look at uh, Cadet to Captain, oh. he's got all those high school clips. He was made to be a squatter. He was just made for it. He had to buy Well, it. I would say, yeah, that's what we call in police work a clue when you see a kid with 28-inch legs walk in the room, right? And 19-inch <laughs> calves, and you go, hey, this guy might be good at the squad. But you're right. His uh, It's funny because his, uh, his upper body lagged. But I'll tell you what, he brought it up. Just look at YouTube. Go to... Uh, uh, Protein and <laughs> no metrics and 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 beer. Unbelievable. Look that up and, and look at that video of him at and, the beach. And how did he do it? He did it with just benching once a week and doing his inclines once a week. He did a little bit of arm work, man. But I mean, it was just like three sets a week of biceps and triceps. I don't even know. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just a. This is all such a minor part of his his training. Yeah, um, overtrained anyway. Look at all the pressing he's doing to work his triceps. You know, he didn't need to do push downs. Think of the tension. Exactly, exactly. What could, her, what, are, what could her push downs going to do with 600 pound bench? Right, right. So uh, the push down's like a BB gun, and yes. the close is like a freaking mortar round. Right. You know what I mean? You're as long as you don't blow yeah. your elbows out. And as Cassidy said, the best ex assistance exercise is the one that most closely resembles yeah. the lift itself. Yeah, get the hands on the barbell. I'm always a believer. That's why the what's the what's the best possible assistance exercise for the competition grip bench? 
differing widths of the mm-hmm. of the straight bar. Now and only then do we go to the incline and then maybe the overhead, right? So there's a hierarchy in, in terms of what's, uh, what in the assistance exercise will. There's no point doing tricep kickbacks to help your bench. Right. <laughs> More you know, than- that story, right? So, so to Justin Watson, the kid at Tampa Bay, is training for the combine, one of the combines. <laughs> and uh, JP, I don't know if I told you this, but and, it, and the, the strength coach that he had at the time said, all right, we're going to go back in the dumbbell room and do some kickbacks. And Justin said, I, I can't do it. And the coach was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why can't you do it? He said, I won't be able to tell Coach Steele that I did a kickback, man. I, <laughs> I can't face him knowing that I did some kickback. So he did something else. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Kickbacks. There's a lot of exercise well, like that. So getting away from personalities and into realities. Here we go. Um, do you want to mention Mike McDonald? I mean, he is the well, star. Well, I mean, we can talk about it. Yeah, I know. But Mike... Mike was, you know how, Jimmy, you know how some guys just naturally can deadlift. They yes. really can't do anything else, but man, they can deadlift like crazy. I guess Tim Iceman's probably the extreme example of that. I don't know if Tim can squat 500, but he can consistently pull like 775 when, I don't know, 181 or something crazy, right? Yeah. But, uh, and I think Mike was like that. I think he was, uh, although I got to say, he did, uh, he took second place at the junior nationals one year in all three lifts. Wow. But I, I don't know what to say on Mike other than, than he was great. Um, you know, his training was, you know, he was real big in the pre-stretch. He, he thought that he loved dumbbells. He loved the, the way that the dumbbells, he would, he's where I got the relaxation thing from. We use yeah, when the camber bar hit, but the problem with his camber bar was so severe, it just hurt your hands and your arms. There was no, the angle was too extreme. Nowadays, they, they figured it out. They make nice curved bars that you can put your hands wherever you want on a, on a beautifully curved bar. Mike's, Mike wanted to do dumbbell presses, but once he got dumbbells past 200 pounds, they were so cumbersome. He said, how do I create, how do I recreate the dumbbell stretch without the dumbbells? He said, oh, I know, I'll build a camper bar that will allow me to lower the payload and stretch my shoulders below the level of my torso where the bar would normally stop the downward path. He wanted to stretch his stuff downward Right. And then re-engage and then push it to full and complete lockout. And he claims that's how he built his monster bench power. So that's why I make that the first iteration of our benching, Jim. And we tell these people, hey, we're going to do some dumbbell benches and we're going to lose the tension. And they look at me like, you know, I'm a heretic. You should be burned at the stake. And I'm just going, I'm just I'm just stealing stuff from Mike McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. Okay, yeah. and and it's it's not your only, but it's a it's a valid arrow in the quiver. Right, it's a peak. and it's a great starting place if, if if you're a rookie bencher. Let's just get into the love of benching and let's just you know relax into this thing, feel the stretch, let it open. If you allow dumbbells, they will open your tight shoulders up. They'll stretch your out, you know, but. The problem is that everybody wants to go too heavy and you have to learn to be, uh, embrace weakness. Yeah. 
and, and let these things open your body up. That's what we do in this squat. It's the when, same principle. It's you, you allow the poundage to stretch and open your tight ass joints, alpha males. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All, the guy, all guys are tight. They're tight unless they have I, some sort I, of a trick background. I like it, the dumbbell, the, the way we teach it also because it gets you the connection yes. that you're going to be using. Yes. You know, it teaches you that connection because then we say feel it engage. You feel yes. the engage point. Yes. Right. When you come out of that stretch, yes. you feel that yes. engage point. Yes. And then you just transfer that over onto the bar. Hey, and, I want and, to and in the deep future, when you get all confused about your benching, come back to this. Go back to it. Yeah. Come back to the dumb come back to the dumbbells, light, and just just re learn to love benching again. Well, Marty, real quick on that, Jim, I just want to say, I think yeah. it's important to come back to dumbbells once in a while because it'll identify, uh, uh, you know, a weaker side or whatever. I mean, you gave a great story, Marty, about how you um, came back to the, I think you were doing dumbbell shoulder press and your one side, little, you know, oh, notes yeah. to you, oh, yeah. uh, one side was way weaker. Way, you had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And again, these imbalances and a little bit of imbalance. I mean, if you're talking whatever, 48, 52 or 49, 51, but I was like, you know, 55, 45. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like, well, that's unacceptable. <laughs> My right hand has really been pulling this, this weak ass guy along for a while. I didn't yeah. even know. I didn't even know it. Cause I thought I was repping pretty good with two hands, but the right, right side apparently was doing most of the work so it's like okay guess what we ain't doing any two-handed work yeah. for a while so you you gotta you gotta come up to at least somewhat right so anyway yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. A, that we love dumbbells right jim i was gonna ask and i know this is sort of the uh, the first thing in your article but when, when hugh and jim uh, williams and all those guys were doing it benching that kind of weight were they flat back or did they have um, no Cassidy Cassidy understood the need for the arch because of he he was the first one introduced to me the idea that uh, declines are easier than flat bench right shortens that rep stroke so and also it's better leverage right uh changes your leverage considerably in fact we use the the, the we call it the pancake bench as an assistance exercise almost like bodybuilders when they put their feet up on the bench yeah mm -hmm. Let's make it really hard. How can we make it maximally hard? Um, but now I, you know, um, Cassidy was big on technique too. He 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 spent a lot of time in his bench technique, and he he did a lot of benching. Uh, we benched twice a week and did assistance work twice a week. And man, you had to hit the buffet. Yeah. After training like that, you couldn't survive. You couldn't you couldn't last. But every, did, everybody did. who did it. Everybody who did it just yeah. exploded. Yeah. When did guys start exaggerating? You were on the, you were a world team coach, right? When did they start getting, was it the Eastern Europeans that started exaggerating the arch so much? Oh, the Europeans are always looking for tricks because they're not as strong as the Americans. We had got, we had guys, uh, let me see, in 90, when I was in Sweden, I was in Sweden in 91 and they have European men that were wearing it it was like the the old punk rock well, well glam rock band slade who used to wear these 10 inch platform heels yeah like kiss 
<laughs> yeah, like death, right? So these European lightweight guys, uh, very acrobatic looking, were coming out with these radical heels on these crazy boots, like ski boots, and obtaining these incredible arches because they weren't strong enough to compete with the Americans. So they had to, you know what I mean? It was like, how far can we bend the rules? You see the, a lot of the ladies, because they can do it. Yeah, they can really get extreme yeah, arches. they get an extreme arch, and it shortens the rep stroke. The more extreme the arch, the shorter the rep stroke, particularly if you combine it with a maximally wide grip, which, yeah. is, 30, which is 32 inches. But the problem is you still got to get stronger. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I see a lot of these extreme arches, and like you said, the females can arch so much. I mean, if I arched that much, something would have to be broken in my body to get me back that far. But... Um, and you'll see on the comments, like if you're on Instagram or whatever, you know, that that's, that's cheating and all that, because the rep stroke is like two or three inches. Okay. I now, think they changed the rules some now. I think that, that's legal, isn't it? So, I mean, what do you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I know because the Russian and the Japanese girls were going crazy with that. It was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, you've seen it's it. It's like two inch movement. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they, I think they, I don't know how they did it. I got to look that up, but they, I think they change it because it's just getting so mm. ridiculous. But yeah. I admire the guys. Hey, man, you just got your rib cage up. You're making your rib cage up as big as you can, pushing against the uprights and squeezing the scapula together, you know, and getting your butt close to your head. Now that's a, a healthy arch. Now, if, now, now, none of us have got to worry about extreme arches. No, there's no, there's nobody in our circle of friends that's going to. No. It's like, who cares? You know, so so a couple of females and some lightweight guys get away with crazy arching. So what? Why waste our time to it, Craig? Yeah. I mean, I like yeah. that posture that we talk about all the time. I mean, you know, if you listen to our seminars, I'm always talking about posture, posture, rib cage up. Yeah. That position that yeah. you have when when I teach the bent over row, I teach that yes. and put that onto the bench. Yes. It's an exaggerated posture because we want them to develop that rib cage up. Uh, Absolutely. But I think the, the arch that you guys teach is a slight arch where you can get your hand underneath the lower back, and that's about it, right? Well, that's not really true. Um, Cassidy used to have us, we, you know, see if we could arch over a four by four with sharp edges. John, how do you teach it now, though? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, if you want to get technical about it, you could have them start arching over a a PCV pipe, I guess, right, of a certain, di a certain diameter. And then over time, you increase the size of the PCV pipe. If it's yeah. that important, we just, over the years, we just always, you know, they figured out themselves that they, the more they work on the arch, the more that they can press. So it's not like I got to keep drilling. Oh, you need a better arch. It's like, no, they're trying to get a better arch because they know if they get a 2% better arch, they're going to have a much better chance of completing the set that they've just tied into. Right. Yeah. But so I think they're continually right. working on it. You're continually working on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, every rep you're setting up, you're setting up in you know, every set you're setting up and, and, you know, working on that position. If now, you're, if you're truly arched, you really need a hand off and a hand out. You, it's very difficult to take the weight out of the rack by yourself. Interesting. If you're arched and, and not have your arch collapse, right, not lose it. Yeah. yeah. Now that said, did you guys or did you know any guys that would do decline? Was there no, any reason? No, for it? never. No. No. Okay. Next. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, 
I mean, they, they, you know, we all do uh, inclines for a reason. I, I didn't know if there was uh, certain it, why you would do decline. Decline pressed with a barbell is the single most dangerous progressive resistance exercise there is. And why you, is you, that? Why do you think? Mess up a decline. Oh, I tell you what, let's do two and a quarter and train alone. Yeah. Well, yeah, you definitely got to have a spotter because re-racking it. Well, is, well, you don't have a spotter. I'm sorry. And you're taking it to failure. Oh, you missed the rep. Oh, now what are you going to do? And you can't roll it because it's going to oh. roll down over your neck. Oh, okay. <laughs> you following my logic? Yeah, That's right. Well, this yeah. is why I ask. I want to find out. <laughs> you know, you don't need a decline. Just work on your, just work on your arch. Okay, so arch is number one on your bench press tips list. Okay? Yeah, but that, that's that. It's that they're not. Not in any. It doesn't mean no, it's the most not, important. No, no, not, not in any no. particular word. Just so number. Working number two. We talked about leg position and leg drive. You want to talk any more about that? Or I think we have. I think if you yeah. if you keep your feet directly under your knees, right? What are they going to do if you keep your? A lot of guys will keep their feet back because they feel that they can get a better arch they're usually pretty inflexible guys heavier guys yeah. so they and they get up on their toes you see them they're getting up on their toes and what they're doing is they're throwing away any leg tension in order to increase the the decline yeah i mean the first thing we talk about when we teach a bench press is the bench press is done with your legs yeah everybody's like, right oh, that's revolutionary but yeah. it really is and the way a good tip is I have everybody getting their getting their position with their good arch, right? And scapula squeeze together, and then and, lift. And we and that, tell them about that little pull up that we do, to like you know you you lay down on the bench yeah. and you you grab the bar and then to squeeze the scapula you you do a pull up. Yeah, you, you pull your body. You pull the abbreviated pull. You pull yes. your body off the <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> Right. Whatever, six inches or a foot, you squeeze your stuff together. Now you lower it back down, but don't lose that. Right. Yeah. And I always tell them, you want to feel your legs. Here's how you do it. Lift your butt up off the bench and set it down lightly. You feel mm -hmm. that pressure in your quads. You should feel and like flex those glutes. Yes. And, and everything is driving through the ground. Imagine the bench yes. is not there and you're crushing the ground yes. with your body. You're not reaching up. You're not reaching, you're pushing into the bench, yeah. you know, and you, a common mistake is, and this, this, well, let's wait till we get to the arc and I'll talk about <laughs> it. You should drive, you should yes. put prints into the ground. Yes. The feet. Well, Jim, let's talk about the arc. Uh, Marty made reference to it. It's called the J path. At least that's what he's got in his, in his article here. So talk about that. Well, my, my point was going to be this reaching up stuff that people do. Now your shoulder, it, it, first of all, it increases the range of motion that you have to lock it out. What you want to do with that philosophy of pushing into the bench or into the ground is keep your shoulders even with the bench. So when you push, look how much shorter that range of motion is. And that way you can also keep your scapula together. So as soon as you start to reach, now you're losing that position. Picture your scapula while you're doing it. Yeah. Push into the bench with your shoulders even with the bench. And the way I taught that, and we teach in our seminars, is once you got the bar bent, once you're ready with everything, now two more inches, bring your bring your shoulders back even. Bring your shoulders back even. And everybody yeah, goes, more, more. Yeah, and keep going and keep going and keep going. Now you're ready. 
And, and you know what? The bench press, is, when you're doing it correctly, it's not comfortable. You're that, That's you're, right. You're flexing and squeezing and, and driving, and it's all tension. It's all this built-up rubber band from the ceiling, yep. right, with the bar, you know, around the bar, and you're pulling it in and pulling it in and pulling it in. It's not this, you know, laissez-faire, I'm just bouncing it off my chest and doing all this stuff. No, this is some techniques to get you super strong, too, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, and when you say I'm, two, I'm fired up, I want to go bench. I know, man. I get chills. <laughs> uh, Jim's, listen to Jim, man. Listen, and listen how passionate this guy is about the bench. Well, I had to do it because I sucked at the bench. But, That's right. But okay, so you mentioned reaching, and I know exactly what you're talking about. That's when you release the scapula and come forward, and you're just trying to get that extra. I think that's where the uh, injuries come from. I mean, yeah. you know, you're grinding out too much. You're reaching now, and your form is compromised, and there goes your shoulders. Yeah, I was benching the other day, and uh, it's super light. But my my son was like, "Dad, every every bench you do looks exactly the same." That's yeah. right. And I was like, that's right, buddy. That's exactly right. Thousands and thousands of reps. <laughs> that's right. To get yeah. it right. That's right. So, how about, are, um, all right, well, look, hold on before you spin off into your next gym question. Uh, <laughs> we didn't call it the J pad, we called it the ARC. And it was first taught to me by Ken Pantana. And basically, if you have, we start with your eyes are underneath the bar. Right. All right. So your eyes are underneath the bar and your high point, the highest point is going to be what, where they call that little point, Jim, right where the sternum. Yeah. The sternum, right where the soft part meets the rib cage. You can get that up. That's the highest point. So we exhale. Ken taught us to exhale as you take it out of the racks. Well, I never really thought about that before, but that's a very powerful movement because you, you're, you set, just as Jim said, you set your, set your, your shoulders, you got your glutes flexed. They're barely touching. Your legs are tense and ready to go. You have to have somebody lifted out to you to maintain that arc. And you, we don't just relax the arms and shoulders and kind of passively resist letting gravity do the work. Now, we pull the weight down with increasing tension and increasing braking so that when it hits the chest, we get that, we want that coiled spring effect, right? And whether it's a pause or it's a touch and go, it doesn't matter. If it's a pause, we pause it and then we release, boom, again with the foot drive. And if it's a touch and go, it's the same thing. It's just bam, right? But it's it's a controlled negative that creates the coil. Now, the reason that we arc is that in the bench press, unlike in the squat and the deadlift, your strongest muscles are at the top of the lift. I mean, you get a, a deadlift mid thigh, you know, most people are gonna lock it out, right? The hard part is breaking it from the floor to the knees, right? Yes. You with me? Yeah. In the squat, the hard part is coming out of the hole. It's not all that hard to lock out a full squat from the three-quarter position upward, right? Right. You're strong. Not so in the bench press. In the bench press, your weakest muscles are at the top of the lift. So you get your, you get your powerhouse pec. Look at the size of the pec muscle. Look at the size of the front delt and the side muscle. 
also on the start, you also get a, a jolt from the tricep. So you got a lot of muscles working together to get a bar, a coiled bar off the chest, right? At lockout, you know, from what, six inches to go and, you know, it's all triceps. So how do we aid the triceps? Most guys will push straight up and they'll hit the concrete wall and then they'll go, oh, and then they start to drift backwards. Well, that's too late. What we do is we start with the gentle arc, which creates a momentum, which gives the triceps a backward flow, which allows the elbows to open easier. So it, that, that rearward arc allows us to straighten the arms, that, that little extra bit that we need to aid the triceps, right? Whereas if you just push straight up, you're going to get about six inches from lockout and you just might as well be pushing against a concrete wall. Yeah. And, and uh, a, a problem I see all the time is guys coming off their chest with heavier weight and even an inch towards your feet, even an inch, you're going to miss the lift. Right. You know, if they're, if they don't, so I'm yelling back. Right. Uh, right when it hits her, if they have a problem with that, because an inch, oh man, I missed it. Yeah, you missed your spot. Yeah. Because, and you push towards your, I mean, it doesn't take much. Well, so, and it's slop, right? right. It's, yeah, it's it's slop. It's it's what? Sloppy. It's, it's, it's yeah. the, you know, it's crash, crash the negative, bounce the concentric. Let's use some momentum to get it going. Also, a, a favorite trick is you never really lock it out. When it gets up to that point where it's three to six inches from lockout, oh, you let it fall back down. And then we're repping three. Oh, I can do 315 for eight. Yeah, but you can't lock, you can't do 315 locking it out for three. Right. Yeah. Because you're doing these partials, these bouncy partials, and you never completely lock out. The other rep, the trick in the bench is the guy, remember, you know, the guys at the YMCA or at Golds who never let the bar come all the way down? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then each rep gets shorter and shorter. Yes. I'm like, I'm like oh my God. and I'm saying the reason why is as that uh, as that set got harder, yes. shorter and shorter. Yes. You know? I saw a guy, we got a guy, he does 315. It's like a circus act. It's like Cirque du Soleil or something, right? And yeah. and he wears a tank top in February. And oh, it's just, I mean, it it is a ritual. And again, it's like everything wrong with benching. It's like, this is why I don't come to commercial facilities. <laughs> well, I got a guy that comes in and it, I've never seen this lift anywhere else, but it's, it's <laughs> on the flat bench and uh, he'll lower the right side, uh, the left side up. So he'll, he's like doing independent bench presses on a single bar. With a barbell? With the barbell. Wow. And I've never seen that before. And he'll put a plate on each side and do that. And I'm like, I've never seen that before, but that doesn't look Dude, good. You got to take a video. Take a video. <gasps> Have you guys great. ever seen that? Yeah, that's fantastic. That's Jackie Chan stuff. <laughs> this is, this is the guy. And I, you know, I, I signed up at a, a new gym about a year ago and you, you go, okay, when you sign up a new, uh, you got to ch check out the cast of characters. There's always a few characters in there that you, you got to get warmed up to. Right. So uh, this is the same dude that I'm sitting in my truck. I get there right before the gym opens and I see this guy out of my, my left-hand side running. And I mean, he's hauling ass to the doors at the gym. He goes to fling it open and it's locked. <laughs> and he's just, and, he, and he's like circling around and pacing back and forth. And I'm going, 
what is this guy doing? Yeah, I think, so, I, think it's, I think it's called a meth habit. Yeah, well, that, that dude was on some like too many scoops of uh, pre-workout or something. I, I, I mean, he must have snorted it. Um, it was pre-workout. So then that was the guy that proceeded to go upstairs and he's benching, you know, <laughs> he's, doing, he's doing like dumbbell independent bench on a bar and going sideways and all kinds of stuff. But uh, I just didn't know if you guys had seen that before. I've never seen that. I mean, is that some magical uh, move I, that, that would add 100 pounds to my bench or something? Because he doesn't want to get strong <laughs> in, in the real lift. You know, he's like, oh, I do this instead of that stuff you guys do. Might be all the might be all the rage at the mental institutions. Everybody's always trying to throw atmosphere into the situation, right? All right. So back to real real world benching. What else is on the list? Well, we already talked about the coiled eccentric, yep. right? And, and you want to imagine like that's a rubber, huge rubber band attached yep. to it. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, talked about the different widths. What about the assistant stuff? What What did those guys find? You know, we talked about a little bit, but was, was there other little things like nose breakers, like dips? Yeah, I think so. You know, at different times, nose breakers for sure, right? What else? Dips, right, Jim? Right? Weighted yeah, dips. Love, dip. love dips, man. Weighted weighted dips was a was very is, has stood the test of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, well, o- overhead pressing behind the neck, front press, front press, definitely. Um, seated we standing dumb, d- dumbbells, you know, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of dumbbell incline flat, uh, yeah. overhead, you know, um, again, tricep push down, not so much. That's a machine stuff. Not so much. Those are finishers. That's, that's what you do when you want to pump your muscles up when you're completely done and you're right. walking out the door before you go take a shower. And it's like, Oh, I'm going to pump my triceps up. All right, great. But it's not going to help your batch. Right. I like weighted push-ups. Weighted push-ups are great as a as a something that would so really what that is is a partial. It's a it's it could also be a um, how how do you get the weight in your back? Yeah, you gotta have a partner. and what do you what do you usually use? It's like a 45. I think I've done a 45. Like rep out. Yes, sets of 20 at the end of the workout. Now are you doing uh, like we used to we used to put our hands in a diamond to work triceps and you'd put your nose into the diamond, your hands would be on the floor and they'd form a, a diamond, right? Yeah. If you're no, thumb and your forefinger and then you'd go down and you touch your nose and come back up. And that was murder on the triceps. Are you doing this as a tricep or as a pec movement? It's, it's, it's probably a little both. I would say as a finisher for your triceps, the, uh, what's, the your, way grip, I teach- what's your grip with? What's your, well, like we talk, we do the exact same thing as the bench. So the way I teach it uh, is I say, I say, okay, think about pushing me. How would you do it? Well, your elbows mm-hmm. are tucked in your side. You uh-huh. never have your elbows out like the, uh-huh. in the military. You know, you have them t- uh, tucked in just like we bench press. I said, take that position of pushing me, which mm-hmm. is your most powerful position, and let's put it on the ground. They turn their hands slightly out, mm-hmm. just like you're bending the bar, yep. and drive those elbows into your lats. It's humbling. And where's the, the poundage is right in the right in your shoulder blades, right? Where do you put the 45? Where do you put the 45? Yeah, middle of your back, middle of your back, right below your scapula. Okay. Yeah. And and essentially rep it out. Yeah, and you can do that. So so with my clients, we do negative push-ups. We do halfway down and hold it, then all the way down and up. How do you do a negative push-up? You got a five count to go down and then boost yourself back up again. Uh, Five count, what do you mean? You go down to... And you're you're slowing the lowering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're slowing the. You're taking five seconds to do the negative. Right. 
Okay, and, got it. Yeah, and so maybe we'll do that to failure where you just where you still go up, right? Where you still do the concentric. And then sometimes we just do the eccentric only. And that's just a just another quiver, like you would say, you know, or another arrow in the quiver. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like them. And, and you know what? It's so safe for your yes, shoulders. Exactly. It's safe exercise to finish. And it's up. safe for them. Yes, exactly. But it is humbling because your triceps, it's like the first time that you try the bench press technique that we're talking about where you're <laughs> the bar and your triceps are weak man oh, yeah, and everybody's like oh but i can bench more this way I was, yeah but right. eventually bench more this way if you just have patience with it because your triceps number one are going to get huge and number two are going to get so much stronger right you know i i remember that you know after i went to uh virginia beach with you guys and came out that was a couple years ago now i watched you guys teach that technique to those guys and uh it was great i came back and that's that's the one I use now, but you're exactly right, Jim. You don't realize how weak your triceps are until you start doing that. And you're like, holy crap. And you got to catch up. And you're not going to get them stronger doing tricep pushdowns. I know I have a fixation on tricep pushdowns, but I mean, that's what everybody does. You see them and we have to straighten them out because they're, they're, you know, as soon as they finish benching, they're doing, and they would only do bench and then do triceps. And you got to, it's got to have more meat on it, right? It's got to be like single dumbbell overhead, tricep extension or nose breaker or weighted dip or something of real meat on it, right? Not, not, not uh, minor. You can't be doing, uh, you know, triceps on a machine. It's not going to help. No. Not even if you go to the Y, I mean, you don't get a pass or anything. <laughs> no, man. You get, more, <laughs> you get more benefit out of the steam room. <laughs> yeah, I love the steam room. No, too, man. Well, tricep pushdowns, yeah, like you said, like any other accessory exercise, sure. It's great to do them once in a while to pump them up or just to shock the muscle or whatever, but not to increase your bench press or anything like that. It's not going to do it. And if you want to do them, if you're all done everything and you want to have at some of those pumpers, have at it. I mean, if that fires you up and you still have the energy, feel free, seriously. Some guys are like that. I know some guys that, that train with us and man, they, they love that stuff at the end. It's like, yeah, how about it? They're like, we, should, we shouldn't do this. Yeah. I'm like, no, go on, man. If you've got the, if you've got the gas for it. Yeah, end with a pump. And, and yeah. they've done, I've just put them through trauma. <laughs> so, I mean, they've done, the, they've eaten the meat and potatoes. So if you've got room for dessert, have at it, man. Yeah. No and the problem. goal is... The goal is to uh, when you get home, you that you can't take your shirt off. You gotta wait for the pump to go down, just like I did. Just like I did with my pants that one time I did calves. <laughs> I couldn't get my pants off for an hour. <laughs> thank God, thank God, Paul Delette wasn't in the car. That's right. You both would have been stuck with your swollen that was a calves big dude. and his. <laughs> we would have been welded together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he would have he would have killed and eaten you. <laughs> that was a big dude. When I picked him up from LAX and and um and in your car, man. That's the weekend he signed with Weeder. And I got to hang with him, pick him up at LAX, and we checked him into his hotel and all that stuff. We got, we, we went backstage. We were uh I don't know, it's some show in Redondo. It might have been one of Lou's shows or something, but <laughs> I remember Barry DeMay and all these guys just <laughs> freaking out over Paul Delette. He was so massive. So well, I got to hang with him. And he was a good dude. I, I enjoyed hanging out with him. Mr. Olympia from the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But it's Mr. funny, Mr. Dayton from behind. It's funny when, when Lou sent me down to pick him up, I had no idea what he looked like. But as soon as he got off the plane, I knew that was him. He's 6'2", 290, 23-inch arms. Jim, Jim Wright used to tell me, he said, Dillette, he was such a freak. He used to, apparently, he'd get incredible arm pumps using 35-pound dumbbells. He was famous for, for being a physical giant, but using very minor weight to, to get an amazing pump. And he said, and Jim said, he's just wired that way. He's just able to, to get a great pump. And hey, said, he, he had stretch marks on his forearms. I've never seen that before. I think if he had the dedication that, that Dorian had and trained hard like Dorian did. Yeah, well, he didn't. <laughs> and, and, that's what separate, and that's what separates them. That's right. Shit. Yeah. So, all right, what else we got on the list? Um, what about variant speeds? Yeah, there um, you go. I don't know. I, Jim must have read this article. Look at him. He's everything. naming off all the tips. Well, I mean, he's got a bodybuilding background. I know the bench press is important to bodybuilders. Yeah. So speeds. Uh, you have three rep speeds that you can select from. You should select from before every set. You can either grind a rep, which is purposely slowed. Our definition of grind is barely slowed. Now, Jim says, and Jim recommends that you can put a count on it. You can make it up to a five, six, 10 count. Negative, right? So you have a purposely slowed rep speed. You have a normal rep speed, which is, you know, the, the rep speed, you use when you're not thinking about it. Mm. Then you have the explosive rep speed, which is purposely accelerated compensatory acceleration. You try to push the poundage as fast as possible through every inch of the concentric rep phase. So you have three, three rep speeds you should select from before every set grind regular explosive. And now, you know, Jim is very, Jim, you're very much about time under tension. Well, I, I just, right. that's more for muscle growth, but I don't think people understand until you see it live. It's almost like if you stand on the sidelines of a pro football game, if you watch it on TV all the time, you're like, oh, those guys hit hard. And then when you're in, and then you, it's like train wrecks. Yeah. And then when, when you see Kirk, I keep talking about Kirk, but when you see him bench press, that compensatory acceleration, that fire off his chest is violent. Yep. And, you, and until you see it live, you're like, oh, that's how fast I'm supposed to push the bar. Right. Oh, that's how fast you can push the bar. I mean, just like his deadlift, which is ridiculously fast. And his squat, he, he, he was so disciplined in that. He, ne he, never, he never ground. He never did grind speed. Yeah. He, he wouldn't, he either completed the rep quickly and explosively or he racked it. You very, he nope. very rarely missed a rep. I, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember the last time I saw him miss a rep. So, uh, but, but he, like all our guys, we live on grind, right? We do three explosive reps and then we grind out five more, yeah. right? Kirk won't allow himself to do that. He'll do the three explosive reps. Well, that's it. But now it's 40 years down the road and it's in his DNA and everything he does. And I'm like looking at that going, that's the way we should be lifting. And that's, I don't want my people grinding for the first eight weeks of the cycle. It need, they need to move all weights quickly 
in the core four for the first eight weeks of the cycle, whatever grinding we're going to do, we'll save for the last four weeks. And it won't be purposeful. It'll just be a, a slowing down of our compensatory acceleration because we're peaking. You know, this is in the peaking phase. Yeah. But he never, and, you know, I thought back and I said, I don't know why this didn't hit me like a thunderbolt before. <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, when I first started training, but he never, you know, we used to take, what well, we still do, we take pride in having the guts to grind out a set. You know, you make the first two reps and then you make eight more by the time you get to the 10th one, it's like the Batan death march, right? And you make it and everyone's like, oh man, that was great. That was fantastic. You're so gutsy. That was, it might be the wrong way to do it. Right. Yeah. And to illustrate that, we were in the gym one time and he was deadlifting and he did 500 for five and he goes, all right, that's it. And I was, and he was, you know, pulling 750, 780, whatever he was, 800. And he goes, no, I'm just pushing the deadlift. I'm just starting to push the deadlift next week. I'll do 550. Mm-hmm. And that was it. No, you know, he no. knows exactly what he's supposed to do. And he's not going to say, you know what? I know I can get 12 with this. I know right. I can do that. Right. Out of position. Right. He's got that patience to say, here's the plan. I'm sticking to it. Was that learned or Marty back in the day when he was in high school and coming up, did he always do it that way? No. No, he got schooled by the best brother, uh, and, and I mean, I mean, he was young Mozart. I mean, we took him to everybody. I mean, he got he got to learn from Ken Fantano. He got to learn from Ed Cohn. He got to learn from Marty Gallagher, Hugh Cassidy, Mark Shalai. Think of the education he had. He did his dieting from Anthony DeRizzo, who was IFBB pro bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he had the best of the best instruction, and he was smart enough to be his own man. Kirk was his own man. Uh, yeah. He, uh, and again, that this acceleration thing is is prime example of it. Who has the ego to not grind? I mean, uh, it, uh, the lack of ego. It, it betrays a lack of ego to not grind because, as Jim said, he could take that five hundred fifteen with it yeah. and just blow everybody's mind, and everybody would go, "Kirk only did five hundred for five. Is he sick?" Yeah. And if it's like, no, that's just, that's his plan. Yeah, that's right. But but unless I grind it out, I don't feel like I'm, I'm exerting enough effort. I know, I know, but we might be wrong. Maybe we are wrong. That's what I'm saying. Because look at the mass. How could you top Kirk's muscle mass? No, nah, he was thick. Well, you can't really. I mean, it doesn't get much thicker right? than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know who else had it? Uh, uh, it was Furness. Mm-hmm. Doug yeah. was that that kind of a explosive lifter. I mean, if he, his hardest part in the squat was setting it up. He'd stumble around. He had a very hard time getting set up in the squat. But once he got set up, like bang, right? Yeah. It was like whoa. It's funny because because who, who likes to grind the most that we train? It's the spec ops guys. <laughs> I write on their programs. Stop there. Do no more. <laughs> oh, um, I'm I'm telling all my clients. I said, look, we're, we're when you get to a grind rep racket we're done we're not we're, we got to save that yeah. we're not ready for that that's the wrong we want to go there yeah. uh, and this is fairly recent development on my part because you know god bless i love don berry but don berry can take 405 and do two explosive reps and then grind out eight more but his but it doesn't convert into a big single if i could do 400 for 10 I'm at 500. He does 400 for 10. He's at, I don't know, 440. Wow. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's really good at repping. Yeah. Uh, there was a, another famous muscle expert who I won't, I won't mention the name, but he uh, famously was able to do four, uh, 400 pounds for 21 reps, but he could only squat 480. Hmm. Now, when I did... 20 reps with 400. I squatted 600. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Already, I was a good, I was good at singles. I was not a rapper, right? But I was not explosive like Kirk because I never thought about it like Kirk. Why don't you take half your group because you're training a bunch of regular guys, take half the group, have half of them grind and half of them not and keep, see, see where the strength goes. Do an experiment. Well, I would need uh, probably $150,000 grant. Can you help me? Jim, can you help him? I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> <laughs> it's great for to get the pennies over here. Coming to me for money. Come on now. We, you'd have to have nothing but twins. You, you, you know what I mean? Because people are, are Too different. different and, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and so, you know, but, but listen, like I'm training a 14-year-old kid who approached me and he said, Hey, and he was very intelligent. He'd obviously done homework and he's skinny. And I said, sure, I'll help you. But that's the deal that I have with all my new people is we're not going to grind, particularly not in the first, come on. We don't why if we have to grind in the first four weeks, we started way too heavy. Yeah. Now, how long have you had this policy of no grind? I remember you probably, talking about it. Probably like, a year. I'm thinking maybe. Yeah, but Marty, you've always okay. said be a little undertrained, always leave a rep. You've always said that. It's, it's yeah, failure yeah, minus but one. On the one hand, but on the other hand, we like muscle. We like the the Jim, you talked about it. Your time time under tension builds muscle. Yeah. Well, and, I, and it's almost like, well, maybe we should grind in the off season. Yeah. And when I'm so I separate the two. So if I'm gonna get as strong as possible. I don't leave the gym feeling like crap. I leave the gym leaving a rep and I got a plan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing bodybuilding stuff. Yeah, you, you're going to leave the gym spent. Yeah. But, but I always tell people, man, you want to get strong? You're, you shouldn't feel like crap when you leave here. You know, you're right. going to, you got a goal, you're going to reach it. We're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I agree with that. Yeah. And, and again, you're also want to depend on the rested effort. Bodybuilding, bodybuilding is divorced from performance. Right. So you can, you can just traumatize yourself every day if that improves yourself, you know, for your bodybuilding purposes, which usually is getting leaner, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's the, the goal of bodybuilding is let's strip off the body fat. Yeah, hopefully we have some muscle to begin with. But again, okay, now look, back to benching. I think one thing that we do need to touch on real quick is this, the, the thing about flared elbows. Mm. Uh, yeah. We're really down on that. It's very popular. Uh, and, and the classic bodybuilding uh, strategy was, well, you flare your elbows and it, it's better to isolate the pecs, particularly with a wide grip. But it's really rough on your shoulders. Jim, you want to cue that one up? Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the reason why every wrestler I ever trained learned it, every football player. And we reduced... The show. First of all, I had two things, Marty, like you were saying about getting a lift off. When you teach that position, you know, that we're talking about, you need a lift off. You're going to lose your position if you don't. So I taught everybody, you got to have a lift off, right? And then the second thing was what we were mentioning before is elbows in tight. You're not getting that, that, uh, flare. 
you're stronger like that, you know, and that's the, uh, um, illustrated by, Hey, push me as hard as you can. And you know, your elbows are going to be in tight. The interesting thing. And, and the reason why it really takes it off that pec delt tie in and that front delt is because even if you do have a wide grip and you bend the bar, like we're talking about thinking about bending the bar, it's still a close grip. Your elbows are tucked into your lats. That's right. You know, so you want to think about making every bench press you do into a close grip by tucking those elbows into the lats. And the teaching point that we use is bend the bar. I've heard other people say spread the bar. I like to bend the bar thing because that makes you grip the bar harder too, you know, and I, I'm a real big believer. What did Pavel call it? Irradiation or whatever. I don't know what the hell he said. Right. Yeah. Irradiation. Put imprints of your fingers into the bar and bend that sucker. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that we say, put fingerprints. Yeah. Just like just, an old time strong man bending a horseshoe, man. Yep. If you want to think about that. And that tucks your elbow. But like we said, your triceps are going to be weak. Give it, give it time. I quit on it three or four times because Rob Wagner was telling me, yeah, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it yeah. wrong. But my ego was getting crushed. Exactly. And then when I gave it a chance, my bench press shot up. Mm -hmm. But Jim, should should powerlifters and bodybuilders uh, bench the same, or should I don't think anybody should bench with their elbows out like that, no. man. It's I mean, I get it's destructive to your shoulders. Yeah, chest development out of close grip too. You know, uh, you know, your triceps are are moving it, but man, your chest gets. I mean, put your hand on your pec and press the bar with your elbows, and you can feel the contraction. What about for bodybuilding? What about for a drop set? Like you know, you drop down to like one thirty five to just burn it out. Okay, put the elbows out and isolate the pecs. No, 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 no. You're not ever. It, it's it's injurious to your to your shoulders. I wouldn't do it ever. Even it's, when I even it's it's, it's hurtful. It it will mess your shoulders up, particularly if you try to go heavy over time, because it's an unnatural position. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anything away from your midline, the chance of injury goes up. When your hands are away, you're weaker. Think about a lateral raise. You're way away from your midline, right? Bring that in and bend your arms. You're a lot stronger. You know, anything close. What about forearm position as you're coming down? Now, as, as you're coming down, um, you want your forearms to be straight up and down. But if you're wide, your forearms are going to be angled out because your elbows are you're, in. You're, your you're, not, you're, not, you're not that wide. You, you, there's a 32 inches is the maximum grip width. You're not going to be so wide. That's like Marvin Etter collar to collar stuff. You, you, you're, you're fine. As long as you're, you're a bit like you, you're a big guy. You're six foot. Yeah. You're, you, you can't have your, all of your hands, part of your hand has to be covering that ring, that 32 inch ring. Most guys have, a good chunk of their hand inside that 32 inch yeah. ring. That's what I'm I set my pinky, my pinky's on the 32 inch ring. I'm 5'10 and I'm not a good bencher. I probably should be benching a little wider, you know, but that's what's comfortable for me. Yeah. But you don't want past 32 inches, man. And it's, um, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. yeah. No, I think so too. All right. Well, what else on the bench? I mean, you know, we didn't talk about everything. How often should a beginner bench and intermediate and advanced? How often should they bench? Okay. What do you think, Marty? Well, you know, I'm a I'm a minimalist. I have I have my beginners benching once a week and overhead pressing once a week. And yeah. They they knock they knock the hell that I have. Uh, 
my 14 year old that I'm working with, he's doing three grip widths. He's doing competition, just what we talked about. He's doing competition grip, touch and go. He's doing, and it's not wide. I'm, I'm not having him use the wide grip. I'm having him use the same grip as his competition grip, but his second set is pause. So he's doing competition grip, touch and go, competition grip, pause, narrow grip. And I want his narrow grip to be identical to his overhead press grip. Yeah. I want to work those two power pathways. So, and then he does narrow grip. Then he's done with the bench. Then a couple of days later, he just works up to one top set. I think this week, I don't know, we did, um, I don't know, 95 for 11. So next week we kick it to 100. And I'd say, give me that 11 again. You, you know what I mean? We'll try to hang. We'll kick the poundage up just a little bit, but we're going to try to hang on to those reps. But only one top set in each lift. And I don't know, we're six weeks into this thing. And of course the kid, you know, and, and I'm having him put on a pound a week, sensible, right? So um, he started off 140, he's due to end up 152. He's thrilled, his techniques are perfect because he doesn't know anything. He's a, he's a blank canvas, right? And, yeah, I know, that's what I'm saying. And, and he's got perfect squat technique, perfect bench technique, perfect overhead press technique, and, and he doesn't know any better. And it's just like, Great. So, and I'm just saying, well, let's keep this up for the next 10 years and hopefully you're become six foot five. And, um, you know, then you can give me a big chunk of your NFL contract. <laughs> right? Because again, he'd be a monster. Just, just keep up this very simplistic program, but that's, that's, I'm not having my people bench three times a week. You know, I, you know, if you're doing shoulders, I just think it's overkill. Yeah, you just beat a dead horse. What do you think, Jim? What, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, beginners, they're they're doing twice a week. Uh, but I'm I'm a big con so so I'm just it's a skill like we talk about. So I don't like a beginner going a whole week without doing it again. So we just do it like a medium day, which is like 75 to 80 percent of their one rep max on the next press day. So they'll they'll do a heavy bench day, right? And then with assistance and and, and a light press on that day, and then the second day like let's say Monday, Thursday on that Thursday, they do a heavy overhead press and then a medium bench press just to keep that groove going. And as they get stronger and as they're more advanced, they're going to bench once a week. Uh, sometimes if I still feel like they can't find the spot on their chest or if they can't right. keep their shoulders, even right. I'll throw another bench press in there. Um, and then, man, and that's I got kind of how we all started out too. Yeah. And I got older clients who are like, six weeks of benching and then we do all dumbbells for six weeks you know what i mean yeah, yeah. just because they're so beat up with the bench press after all these years um that, and what great contrast yeah and thrive on that change mm -hmm. uh, and you know but uh that's pretty much what i would do uh you know I, a lot of this stuff and especially with that 14 year old marty's putting mass on man and mass makes you stronger yep you know so when he's gaining that pound a week his confidence is shooting up because he does that 100 foot mm -hmm. level because he's gained that weight and, and he's like, man, I'm getting stronger. Yeah. You're getting bigger. You're getting stronger. You're just gaining thickness. Oh, and I'm pumping him up, Jimmy. Like you wouldn't, he's floating off the ground. It's so he, much. He, he can't believe it. And, and his parents are like, this guy's not charging you. He's not a weirdo pervert. Is he? <laughs> I said, no, I just want to turn the kid into a monster so I can write about it. That's, it's that's the goal. Think like that. It's not a shame. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so anyway, but yeah, and, and, but but uh, in his case, his bench press techniques are just, I mean, they're good. So it's like, hey, let's just 
stick with once a week. If it was remedial, if he was having difficulties, yeah, he, he would need more uh, more days. Hey, we used to we used to do we used to train three times a week every day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Full body, full body, three times. Oh a week. man, that was rough. <laughs> I just thought that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, man, that's what we did. We in our three-hour sessions, right? Yeah. And we were doing Olympic lifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding. Oh my lord! But we were kids. We didn't have anything else to do. Uh, you know, it was a like a country club atmosphere in my basement. I mean, man, it was you know good. Good. It was a good environment, and I, I think that that's. We're kind of trying to replicate that with Don Berry's the the thing that we do on Sunday where we yeah. train the local guys for free. We kind of create that same neighborhood vibe where everybody makes progress just doing the simplest of stuff, man. These guys are bench squat, deadlifting, all in the same session, two hours on Sunday. See you later. And everybody's progressing and they're just benching and overhead pressing once a week. Yeah. Jim, I used to, when I first started out, I was, uh, it was in Maryland. I was living on a farm. I built a bench press out of two by fours. It had an old Billard barbell set. Oh, and, and I was training, I was doing uh, pretty much everything uh, every other day. <laughs> Just four, three, four hours a day, every other day. And then I started reading Muscle and Fitness. And Marty, they were probably your articles back then. This was uh, probably. You know, mid 80s and uh i'm lying my ass off and i'm like you know i don't i don't have to train every other day i'm like I'm, i can actually have a life i don't have to dedicate my life to a billard barbell set so uh yeah you just learn as you go and you get better and better but now you know uh listening to all these techniques and tactics and everything but this really this really gives you the the shortcuts not shortcuts but really hones you in on what you actually need to do to make the gains you want to get the muscle gains, strength gains. We we did all the self-discovery. Now we can give it to you. Yes. You, you did an article, Jim, on, on all this stuff that the mistakes that you made. Oh my gosh. Early on. And that would be be a 200 page book. Yeah. Man, I've done it all. I've done everything from every Russian powerlifting program yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. bodybuilding to Arnold yeah, bodybuilding. Yeah. To- yeah, yeah. Well, and we talk about it because we didn't have the internet. <laughs> we had like Arnold's encyclopedia, uh, you know, uh, and maybe some friends. That, that, and that Bill Dobbins wrote. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in, I used to train this basement gym in Adelphi, Maryland. And, uh, you know, the guys weren't as serious as I was. I mean, I was, you know, I, I failed math because of muscle magazines. I used to go into math <laughs> class and put the muscle mag international on the floor and then act like I'm looking at my math book and glancing at the magazine, you know, and yeah. like, would come down and catch me. But anyway, so I was like, all right, I'm going <laughs> to, so I remember being in the basement, everybody, you know, they just sort of do some benches and some curls and I'm squatting my ass off and, right, right. and I go over to do lap pulls and I'm going beyond failure. I'm going drop sets. I mean, I'm right. like 15, you know? Right. And I'm going crazy. And I remember a guy whispering to my friend, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I crazy. my eyes busting out. I mean, yeah, you, you were in the same category as that guy that JP's witnesses <laughs> doing yeah. the, <laughs> the Jackie Chan bench presses. Yeah, yeah they were just well, satisfied with their 225 for five on the bench. And, you know, let's talk about some girls. I didn't want none of that stuff, man. 
Let's go. No, we couldn't get enough. I mean, we were in, we had an infection. We were insane about putting muscle on and getting right. strong. And it was like all we thought about besides girls. Um, but that's just, you know, you, you, you lived and slept and ate and, and just everything about uh, working out. I mean, well, it's just ingrained in you, you know. Sore all the time and loving being sore. Just love yeah. it. Yeah, it wasn't worth it unless you got sore and could barely walk the next day. Right. Then you felt like you hadn't worked hard enough. And I think there might have been something to that. Yeah. So, all right. Let's, well, uh, sure. let's wrap up this uh, taco. <laughs> okay. All right. Check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at Iron Company. Uh, you can find his latest article. 10 bench press tips and tricks of the trade on our website now. Matt, Matt, now you don't have to read it. Now you don't have to. You can still <laughs> read it. I still advise reading it because it's got, you know, some, some finer details on some things. But uh, we covered most of it. We covered it. Um, so check that out. Also check out his Instagram page, which is at the Marty Gallagher. Okay. And uh, also his wife Stacy's website, functional-strength.org. Incredible. Um, and if you're in need of equipment, strength equipment, free weights, rubber flooring, anything, go to Iron Company. And by the way, if you're someone that tries to buy USA made as much as possible, and we have a lot of people that do, uh, we made it easy on our website. And we've done this for years. We have a USA made section where we have all our flooring, free weights, uh, cardio items, uh, albeit that list has dwindled quite a bit over the years because, you know, everything's kind of going overseas. But uh, if, if you still like to shop USA Made for any of your gym equipment, go there. We make it real easy, all in one section for you. Um, also, we've got, let's see, Jim, I just posted one of your new articles today. Yeah. It's, it's old man strength. Talk about that for a second. Well, we, you know, it's just about, you know, we've all had that coach or father or whatever that, you know, is in their fifties and they can still jack you up when you're a teen, even though you're benching more than they are or whatever. And so I yeah. talk about how that was probably developed um, and how you can develop it if you, so it was, it was more developed, but in the old days by guys just working, you know, I talk mm -hmm. about my dad yeah. building a stone wall with 20 trips to the quarry every yeah. day, you know, that kind of stuff. And now, you know, if you're in an office, you don't have a yard, you're in a condo, how are you going to develop that stuff? You know, and that's where I, what I talk about. And, and I give some stories about the old timers, which I really like to talk about, man, on how they were just strong and in different positions. I, yeah, I'd love to talk about that stuff. Uh, that's the Steve Just, the farm, yeah, farm man, guy we, strength. I love that stuff, man. We could do a podcast about that. I love yeah, I, I would do that. My wife has that. She, she is a professional horse trainer and uh, instructor and, and she does all that all in hay bales and, what, yeah. and that's real yeah. <clears throat> that that stuff is real and in she's different still planes of movement they're moving their bodies in different so i make the point that yeah get as strong the, the fun the fundamental the foundation is a squat bench deadlift press after that other stuff, you should be doing stuff where you move your body in different ways, not linear all the time. No, 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 no. I tell you, the the Mennonite guys out here are all in tremendous shape. Yeah, they look great, man. I mean, they're they're all big boned and and lean. I mean, they're 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 no no gut. Now the women are, are very heavy, 
And I think it's, I don't, I don't know, I think maybe the baked goods, I'm not sure, but it, it's just, but those guys work hard. Yeah. And uh, I live in a, in a real farm community where it's not agro farming, it's little people farms. And these guys, I mean, they work from dawn till dusk and they look at, I mean, they look functional. Yeah. We yeah. used to, you know, I when I lived in Maryland. You're, you're a farm to, boy. Uh, you're a farm boy, right? You're I, I lived on a farm. We used yeah. to bale hay. Yeah. Uh, we, we did all that. We'd shovel manure. We did all that that stuff. And I'll tell you, some of those bales of hay get really, especially when you're talking about the wire uh, bales. I mean, they are got to be at least 100 pounds. And you're having to th- pitch them. You know, they come off the elevator, pitch them to the guy in the back, and he stacks them up. That's hard work. And my dad worked for uh, Purina back there. He was, yeah, uh, I know where they're at. A feed salesman. Over there on and, the railroad track, by the railroad track. Yeah, and I, uh, I, got, I got a job at a, a feed mill over the summer. I was like 15, and there was a bunch of old guys in there. And, you know, I was just starting weightlifting and thought I was halfway strong. And these old dudes <laughs> were yeah. way stronger than me. And they were in their, you know, 60s and all that. And they're, efficient. They were, they're efficient because they've done it for so long. So they yeah. know the way to do what it. Was the, what was the task? Like 100-pound bags or something? or what Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you would bag up the feed. And then um, I think they would sew it up at the top or whatever. And then, you know, load it, it on your truck. Carry it somewhere carry it uh carry it to the truck or carry it over to a different part of the mill or whatever but i mean that is real work and those dudes were strong they had like that's right you know when you're when you're a kid your dad's got like that mystical old man strength partly because you're so much smaller and uh you're a kid but uh they had that that old man strength yeah well let's let's do let's do one on that because that that's real and uh that's a juicy topic yeah it's a good one Jim, do you right. have do you have Justice book? I did at one point. I don't now. Yeah, you should. And uh, JP, you should get it too. It's called Rock Iron Steel. The book you wrote was, article about him. Too. Yeah, I did. The book was Strength. It's by Steve Justa, yeah. and he's this is he to me is the patron saint of sustained strength. Mm. Right, do crazy stuff like pick up a five hundred and fifty pound railroad truck tie and walk a quarter mile with it. Yeah. <laughs> he had another he had another one he he walked an 800 pound barbell through 14 feet of mud <laughs> i mean i think we could do a show just me listing this guy's crazy feet oh it's cool and he's a well at the time he was a big big functional dude right and he would do half of his um half of his feet with a cigar stuck in his mouth <laughs> That's my Perfect. man. I'm just well, saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we good? Yeah, and then Jim's well, website, bassbarbell.com or bossbarbell.com, B-A-S barbell.com. Yeah, latest is uh how humans aren't meant to be governed. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote that one last uh, night. Jim, Jim's veering off the road again. Stacy, she'll love. Yeah, thank you. As your attorney, I advise you to stop talking. (laughs) All right, guys. (laughs) All right, good one. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.